Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to yet another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Today, our guest, longtime friend of ours, a colleague, Sam Knepp, joining us today, involved in agricultural advocacy, working in public relations, and on the broadcast side of things as well, for Oklahoma Farm Bureau, Oklahoma Farmers Union slash American Farmers and Ranchers, and some broadcast outlets along the way as well. Today's conversation being powered by Bank First, loyal to Oklahoma, loyal to you. Today, our conversation with Sam Knipp coming up in just a few moments. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Howdy neighbors and welcome to the Road to Rural Prosperity. And today uh, on our podcast, a very, very special guest, longtime friend and a colleague now and actually uh, a fellow sojourner, I guess you might say, on the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and uh, Oklahoma Farm Report, Sam Knipp joining us today. And Sam, thank you for uh, for spending a few minutes with us today as uh, you have uh, made the announcement, made the decision to wind down your uh, your career as far as your your professional career got a lot of other things i know uh, planned in the pipeline but we're, we're, we're glad that you've joined us today sam well thank you ron this is a a day that of course i you, you always know is coming you just don't know when exactly and eventually you get it figured out and perhaps that's where i'm at now <laughs> Well, the nice thing is you got to choose the date. In other words, uh, bad, bad health or, or things that uh, kind of can go wrong didn't choose the date for you. So I'm, I'm very, very happy for you on that, for sure. Well, thank you. That, that's right. I, I did choose the date. And, it, you know, it just is a matter of, of time when you, you decide that how, how long, how much, when is enough enough? <laughs> how much fun can you have? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I I don't know, but we'll find out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's let's find out. Let, let's share with the folks a little bit about who Sam is, and uh, then we'll kind of get into uh, various aspects of your career down down through these decades that you've been involved in in agriculture in one form or fashion. You actually did grow up uh, in an agricultural operation. That's correct, and I'm still trying to figure out who Sam is. But I can give you a little hint or two along the way. Uh, born on a western Kansas farm and ranch, way west, uh, west of Scott City. Went went to school in Scott City, but uh, spent most of the time be- uh, between the, the towns of Leota and Modoc and Marienthal. And of course, 
I doubt if anybody knows where those towns are. There might be a few people still alive that know where those towns are. Uh, and it was an irrigated farm and ranch. Uh, we uh, were surrounded by feedlots, and so a lot of our corn went to the feedlots. We started out with a registered Angus herd and uh, went through the uh, the cattle market crisis of the, the early 70s, and Dad decided it was time to put a Charlet bull in the herd, and that meant that Sam ended up spending that first winter pulling a lot of calves because our Angus heifers were not quite up to the task of having Charolais calves. But that was a learning experience for both of us. There were six kids in our family, but I was number five, so I got the privilege of being at home at that time. And it was an interesting time. I learned a lot about animal agriculture during that process. And if you grow up out there, of course, you only have uh, one choice of where you're going to go to college, and that is Kansas State University. That's wildcat country out there, I'll guarantee you. So I went to Kansas State University, and this was um, uh, during a time when the Vietnam War was starting to wind down a little bit, but we still had to worry about going overseas. You know, when you registered for the... What, 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 what was your number? Do you remember your number? I have, I don't know. I guess I can look at my draft card. I still have it, <laughs> but I don't remember. No, I, I was about 118 or 120 as far as, you know, they, they, they gave you numbers, and the higher the number, the safer you were from, from probably actually being drafted. I just knew my older brother was in college, and he, uh, my oldest brother uh, went in the Army, uh, but my second oldest brother and I were both in college, and we both made a pledge to our parents that we would have good grades and keep our nose clean, and maybe that would keep us out of the Army, and it, it, it worked out pretty well. I ended up graduating with uh, dual degrees in ag journalism and ag economics. And I, I knew that I always wanted to be uh, part of agriculture. The farm wasn't ever big enough to have all of us six kids go back. So mom and dad, and it was a struggle. It, it, it was always a struggle for my parents. And so they made it clear that none of the kids were ever going to go back to the farm and ranch. And they fixed it so we wouldn't. So I had to figure out something else to do. And and I and I did. So so did you? Were you involved like in 4-H FFA at all as you grew up? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we did not have FFA. Uh, my my town now has it. The high school uh, and out there has has the FFA program, but we did we did not. So I had 4-H, and I'll, I'll tell you this: I had a great love, and I still do for 4-H. I would not have been able to attend college without. 4-H. I had a uh, 4-H scholarship every semester that I, and I I call it a scholarship, but it's more of an interest-free loan program. You had to qualify for it, had to keep your grades up, and you had to write a letter every semester to this 4-H foundation uh, out there, the William uh, Scott Foundation, I think is what it was called, uh, that uh, we had to qualify for the scholarship and it was it was only like four hundred dollars a semester but you know what in 1972 that that went a long way that paid for books tuition and that that kept me afloat and i i ended up paying it back but it was an interest-free loan so i didn't have any interest to worry about and i paid it back after i got a real job but i knew at that point that i wanted to be uh involved in agriculture in some way and i I ended up getting that degree in journalism, and I never had 
I guess my early plan was to be the editor of Successful Farming Magazine. That was what I had my goal set on. Never even thought about radio at the time. Well, you, so you got, you got obviously, you had, had a love for agriculture. Did, did you ever actually get, I mean, you went into broadcast. Did you ever get bit by, by, by radio or, or the radio bug or just going to get shoved into it? Well, I'll blame Rich Hall for this. Uh, I'd, I didn't have any thoughts about broadcasting at all until WIBW offered for the very first time an internship. And WIBW, of course, is in Topeka, Kansas, and Rich Hall was the farm director. You know Rich, uh, a veteran farm broadcaster. Uh, but, but Rich interviewed, and I was lucky enough to get that very first internship in 1975. Wow. And somewhere in Waters Hall at Kansas State University, there is a plaque with my name on it that signifies that. It, that may not be there anymore, but for a long time it was there. And I got that first scholarship, and that the bug bit me right there. I knew that I wanted to be in farm broadcasting. Now, I was still young enough and naive enough not to realize all the consequences of what that would mean. But uh, I had a great... All the low pay, long hours. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But I went on then, and I had the opportunity to work at radio stations uh, in Pratt, Kansas. Uh, Worked with Gene Millard at KFEQ in St. Joe, Missouri. Great experience there. Learned an awful lot. And I I didn't know I had a southern accent until I went to work at KFEQ in St. Joe. Uh, but the listeners let me know that they didn't care for my southern accent. So Gene Millard and I figured out a way to fix that. Then I went back to WIBW and spent a couple years there, but I finally decided that there had to be a better way to handle life than getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and doing those early morning markets. And we had a group, a live group that we actually had on the air every morning called the Pleasant Valley Gang. Now, my Kansas folks will remember this, but we had an organ player, a guitar player who was blind, by the way, and an accordion player. And they were the Pleasant Valley Gang. And every morning at 6 o'clock, we would sign on live with the Pleasant Valley Gang and do the farm news and markets around them. And that was quite an experience uh, back then. But... Then we would work all day and then go to a Farm Bureau meeting or something in the evening. And it, it was just <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So I decided I'd, I'd, I'd had enough. And in 1979, I, I went to work for Farm, Kansas Farm Bureau in their communications department with Gordon Hibbard. Uh, he hired me to be editor of their publication. So I kind of got out of broadcasting a little bit and went into the print side. But after a few years, Gordon decided, he said, Sam, you know, you really are a broadcaster at heart. Why don't you do the radio stuff? And they, they had a fledgling radio program uh, that Gordon was trying to, to work with. And so I, I took that over. Uh, he changed the title a little bit. We had a radio studio and we expanded things. We ended up putting in a television studio and doing all sorts of things in the AV world, and that was quite a, quite an experience for me for many years then at Kansas Farm Bureau. And then uh, at about that point, uh, I think after 16, 17 years, it was about the time that the Soviet Union had their breakup. 
they had all these satellite countries that were now independent. One of those, the largest one, was Ukraine. And they had a, all of a sudden, they had all these people who were farmers, who before were truck drivers, doctors, and lawyers. Because you see, the president of Ukraine passed the law that they would automatically, all citizens of Ukraine would get so many hectares or acres of land, land reform. Well, they didn't know how to farm. They didn't have an extension service, but they had a private farmers association, similar to Farm Bureau. During a tour of Kansas Farm Bureau, the president of Ukraine looked in the radio studio and said, that's what we need. We need that guy to come over to Ukraine and produce radio programs to help our farmers. So that's what I did. Kansas Farm Bureau was generous. They loaned me out. I went to Ukraine. What a what an experience that was to set up a radio wow, network. Incredible. And farmers over there are no different than farmers anywhere else in the world. They, they, they have a passion for the soil. They want to grow food. Their passion over there was motivated by hunger more than anything else. But uh, it turned out to be a, a great experience. At that point, it was uh, Oklahoma Farm Bureau came looking for someone to take over their program. Their their top job is in the communications and PR department. So after Ukraine, I came back to Kansas for a while, then moved to Oklahoma in 1996. And it's it's been a fun ride in Oklahoma, I'll tell you that. So let's go back to the Ukraine thing for a moment. As far as so we're talking with Sam Knipp. Of course, uh, he has been long time uh, involved with Farm Bureau, with AFR, with uh, the radio networks here in the state of Oklahoma on the agricultural scene, agricultural broadcaster, agricultural journalist. Sam, you were while you were in Kansas, you actually were uh, were loaned out by Kansas Farm Bureau to work on a uh, a uh, radio concept in the Ukraine. How did you get that pulled together? What did you What did you do to make it make it happen? Well, it was really interesting how that all worked out. There's a program, a federal program, called the Citizens Network for Foreign Affairs, CNFA. And it, it was under the the guidance of the USAID, Agency for International Development Program. And what they did, they had a program where they would, would I was considered a volunteer, but I had to learn the language and immerse myself in their culture and I went over there with two goals. One was during the day, I would work with farmers. And in the evening, I would put the interviews together and work with local journalists. And then I would teach a class at their institute, which uh, was called, uh, they called it an institute, but it would pass as a university here in our country. So the office was in Kiev which is the capital of Ukraine and the northern part of the country. Now, Ukraine is a very interesting country. It's, the, it's, it's huge. It's the breadbasket of Eastern Europe, very similar to the High Plains. They're very dry, uh, gets all, very cold. Uh, it's similar to South Dakota, maybe even North Dakota is, uh, at times. But it they, they grow wheat. In fact, the wheat that we have here... Uh, has can trace its origins from the hypes, high plains of this country all the way back to that part of the world. The original turkey red runner wheat uh, originated in Eastern Europe. Uh, 
So I worked with farmers. Uh, out of They sent me from Kiev down to the Black Sea. Uh, that's where I was really stationed uh, in a town called Kherson. It's a city of 400,000 people. So you would think a city that large would have running water and plumbing and modern facilities in 1996. Well, I was wrong. Uh, and that was kind of, a, of an embarrassing situation for a while because uh, the family I was sent to live with, he was um, a TV engineer. Uh, his wife was an accountant. And their parents, we all lived in the same house. I slept on the couch. I did have an interpreter. And he slept on the floor right beside me uh, in the front room. And that's how we lived. And there was no... <laughs> There was no running water anywhere. Uh, outside, there was a faucet, and I, they had a bathroom, but it didn't work. And it took a few days for me to realize that, and they quickly pointed it out to me that, it, Sam, that doesn't work. You have to go outside in the outhouse. And, and this is a city of 400,000. Wow. And, and I don't suspect that things are much different today. That that that's a, an area of the world that really um, is a, is an interesting world, uh, part of the, part of the country that is still in the news today, as we see with the the political problems they have. But back to the agriculture point, they're, they have, they have topsoil in Ukraine, like Illinois and Indiana. It's thick, it's deep, it's rich, but they don't have the rainfall that Illinois and Iowa has. So all the farmers there were struggling to figure out how to, to grow crops. And it was interesting how, how all that fit together. And I, I was glad to be a part of that at, at that time. Sam, let, let, let's go ahead and talk about uh, this, uh, you know, that you, you, you really got established with, uh, with Kansas Farm Bureau. I know they, they uh, had high respect for you and everything, but uh, eventually, you were kind of like me. I, I, I started my farm broadcast career uh, coming from Kentucky. I started for my farm broadcast career in, in uh, the state of Kansas, in Wichita, KFH Radio, but I got called eventually and headed across the border into Oklahoma and uh, been been here ever since since 1977. You followed a few years later uh, from Kansas Farm Bureau to Oklahoma Farm Bureau. Tell me about that. Well, it's always interesting. In fact, Ron, you and I were competitors for a short time. <laughs> I was at Pratt, Kansas, and you were KFH in Wichita. But, you know, Oklahoma's always been known as the land of opportunity. And folks have always come here with the opportunity or with the chance to, to, to be better, to improve themselves, and to reach out and, and do great things. And I, and I think that's what you and I both found out uh, when we came to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma Farm Bureau has really uh, set me on a, a platform and a launch pad to do great things. And during, during my tenure at Oklahoma Farm Bureau, I continued to work overseas had opportunities to uh, to go to Cuba at the point where Oklahoma was selling wheat to Cuba. I think you uh, were part of that as well. Uh, with Senator Inhofe, a trade mission, uh, we went to Flor went from Florida to Cuba and spent a few days down there. And then maybe the uh, the biggest overseas thing was when Oklahoma State University had a uh, a program where they wanted to send Oklahoma journalists, rural agricultural journalists to Mali, West Africa, and work with 
journalists in that country, in the rural areas, and to train them on how to tell the story of food production. So we spent many weeks in West Africa, in that country. And let me tell you, I have been to Timbuktu. I have been to the Sierra, uh, and it's, uh, it's a different part of the world from what this Kansas farm boy was used to, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Indeed. So as, as, you, uh, as you joined Oklahoma Farm Bureau, I guess, you know, it, interesting to note, you know, if you go, go back in those early years after we set up the old Oklahoma Agronet, uh, Oklahoma Farm Bureau, the, uh, the person that was the radio TV person uh, for Farm Bureau was actually my, my helper. There was a, when I was, had to be out of the office, they, were, they stepped in and helped us with markets and uh, had several guys. Uh, started with Robert Peeler and then uh, morphed into some other folks. Uh, Linda Fisher, uh, one that was with us for a couple of years before you, you came on the scene. By the, by the time you got, uh, got to Oklahoma, we had ended that arrangement but still had a great relationship with, uh, with Farm Bureau and has all, all, you know, down through the years without a doubt. But you... Uh, you were able to bring your radio skills uh, from Kansas down to Oklahoma, didn't you? That's correct. I'd almost forgotten about that. When I walked into the studio, the radio studio at Oklahoma Farm Bureau, there was a button there, a little switch underneath this, the panel uh, there that I would flip that that, or, that that would send the signal back to, what, uh, God, KTOK, I think, at the time, uh, maybe. And that's you, we did the new news or something with them. I... I don't recall, but there was there was a, a definite connection, a literal connection between Farm Bureau Studios and and KTOK and you guys. So as you uh, as you got uh, got established in Oklahoma, you uh, you spent uh, a substantial amount of time, obviously, with Farm Bureau. Rose uh, kind of through the ranks, uh, not just uh, a uh, radio TV guy or you know broad, broadcast type person, but you uh, kind of oversaw all the communications efforts with uh, the folks at a Farm Bureau. Well, that's correct. Uh, when when we get a degree in agricultural journalism, or as they call it now, ag communications. It's really a, a degree in, in communicating and telling the story in a number of ways and using a number of different media channels to do that. And so I, I know I got pigeonholed as a broadcaster, but they actually taught me how to write and take pictures uh, with that degree. And I, and I learned a lot uh, along the way. And so that's what I was able to do was use those other skills for Oklahoma Farm Bureau to do those. And it became more and more important as time went on with the political structure being what it is that you really focus more on public relations and your PR skills than you did the other things. I spent a lot of time working in in the public relations field more so than I did the, the other areas. And that just kind of worked out and be what they needed me to do. Right. Now, of course, uh, as you uh, uh, spent time in Oklahoma, uh, your adopted state, you, uh, you had your original d- degree with K-State, but I know you added a degree from Oklahoma State University along the way. That is correct. And I, I noticed the need. when I, We had an intern program at Farm Bureau, and we had some tremendous interns. And I'd like to, I could mention a few of them, but then I would be, end up leaving some of them out. So <laughs> we had quite a few over the years, and I noticed that, hey, these kids are pretty sharp. They, they know a lot of things that I don't know. Maybe it's time I go back to school. 
So uh, I went back and got a master's degree in ag communications from Oklahoma State, and it was a good experience. I'll, I'll tell you that. I'm glad I did it, and I'm glad I can say that I have degrees from two of the best land-grant universities in the country, uh, Kansas State University and Oklahoma State University. So I'm, I'm very uh, proud of that achievement, and, and it has come in handy. I, I've used Now, I will say that the thesis that I wrote probably is gathering dust somewhere on a shelf it it was a uh, an exercise in futility for a lot of folks but but i don't know if i gained much there but i did gain a lot in other experiences along the way i know that uh you know along the way also you uh not only uh spent time as a student at at uh, Oklahoma State University, but uh, uh, working with uh, with Dr. Fitch, especially you've uh, you've had a chance to interact with students uh, in in a teaching capacity as well. And I'll blame Tyler Norvell for that one. And I can still remember that day when Tyler was working uh, with Oklahoma Farm Bureau at the time. He had just started, and Tyler was uh, he was working on, and I can't remember now what the project was, but he was at. Oklahoma State, and he calls me and says, Sam, I'm sitting here with Dr. Jerry Fitch, and I didn't really know Dr. Fitch at that point, and he said, we've, we've decided that we need to have some sort of advocacy program, a class set up over here at Oklahoma State. Would you be willing to help with that? And I thought at the time it wouldn't be very difficult to do. I could handle that. Well, little lo and behold, that class has really morphed into something really, really good. Dr. Fitch has done a great job, and Ty- Tyler deserves a lot of credit for setting it on the path towards success at that point. It started out as a one-hour class every Friday afternoon in just the spring semester. That's all we could handle. Well, it has morphed into a three-hour capstone class. Animal Agriculture Advocacy and Policies is, was the big, long name for it. And we we had brought in speakers from all over the country. Uh, we would I would go over there every Friday, and now it's basically evolved into where I I I work with the students, uh, training them to be uh, advocates uh, through media training. We we do interviews with all the students. Uh, we we talk to them about how to be a spokesperson for your industry, and a lot of those students now are in veterinary school. That there's a lot of those pre-veterinary students and a lot of them from other states. So they come here to get their degree in veterinary science, and they, they're, not, they're not sure why they need to take this class. Why, do they, why is it required that they learn to be advocates and be able to speak for their industry? And I tell them that you are the experts. You're the scientists. You're the ones that the rest of us dummies come to rely on when when there's an animal disease outbreak or some other issue involving animals. And so you need to be able to articulate that message. And, and Dr. Fitch has done a great job over the years. And I, th- I think that's been over 11, 12, 13 years now that we've been doing that. I know it's been several, that's, that's for sure, and it's a great, great uh, opportunity to uh, to try to get our uh, uh, spokespersons uh, a little better trained in animal agriculture. A lot of folks do not like animal agriculture in this country, and we need uh, we need all the help we can to uh, to tell that story. Let, let's talk about uh, you. You did make a move, uh, decided to uh, to uh, step away from Oklahoma Farm Bureau. 
but uh, you didn't stay gone from the agricultural scene, but literally just uh, a matter of, what, a few days, it seems like. Well, I keep blaming other people for these things. I, I guess I'm, I'm partly to blame for it, too, because it was multiply my decision. But I, I retired from Oklahoma Farm Bureau, and almost immediately, Terry Dietrich, who is the president of uh, American Farmers and Ranchers, and a longtime friend, I'd known him for a long time, he said, well, Sam, you know, would you want to help out over here? They had just lost uh, their communications person, and and I, I, I guess I thought I was still young enough and naive enough to think that I could still be help helpful in this area, so I agreed. And I spent the next three and a half years working for American Farmers and Ranchers, and uh, for those... Uh, who may hear this broadcast, the AFR is Oklahoma Farmers Union. It'll be just a different name, basically, but uh, a great organization, the second largest uh, behind Farm Bureau, and and depending on how you count the numbers, sometimes the same size as Farm Bureau as far as total membership, and and really a a great organization because being in Oklahoma, they're conservative, and I kind of like that. So the conservative aspects of agriculture and, and as the... Uh, the the NF uh, na- the national organization of, of farmers union would always say Oklahoma lends a conservative tone to their policy book. So we're really glad. Of course, and Oklahoma's the largest affiliate as well uh, for the national farmers union. So that was always an interesting uh, opportunity for me to see Farm Bureau and Farmers Union from both sides. Indeed, and uh, you. Did obviously a great job there uh, with with AFR slash OFU, and they've uh, uh, they they've had their challenges trying to uh, to thread that line between uh, you know dealing with the National Farmers Union, and I know uh, the the battle to get uh, some language in some of the policy that uh, sometimes has been Titanic uh, for uh, for some of our friends at uh, at the AFR. After you decided to, to step away from AFR, uh, you, uh, I know you, you wanted to help out uh, a friend of yours and, uh, and a friend, friend of mine as well that uh, was uh, one of those that, that didn't get to choose his time to retire like, uh, like you're getting to choose today, Mike Dane. And you got over and uh, helped out uh, with uh, the, uh, the folks that well, it used to be called Oklahoma Agronet, but uh, that, that's another story, but now it's first Oklahoma Ag. Uh, you uh, were there for for a season, a season with the uh, Clear Channel slash iHeart folks. Yeah, and I I always when I think about that, I think about my my great friend and golfing partner Mike Dane. We played golf almost every week, and we talked about a lot of things. and And Mike was a couple years older, uh, and before his health really started to fail, we always thought about that opportunity that. Uh, you know that we should we should Sam you should think about doing this someday and of course Mike Dane and I go way back to, to the days in Kansas you know he, he took over he always would kid me he took over after I left Pratt Kansas he would find stuff laying around the office there at that radio station in Pratt that had my name on it and he didn't have any idea who that was so that that tells you we were we were connected long before uh, we even realized that Mike was a, indeed a great guy and and so I, I kind of made a, an informal promise to Mike that I would uh, eventually when the opportunity arose to go back and and be a farm broadcaster uh, there and that's that's what I did 
until iHeartRadio decided that they didn't need farm broadcasters anymore. Well, actually, they didn't even know they had them. Uh, it was it was a countrywide, nationwide uh, change in, in direction, and they laid off a lot of folks, including me, before they realized that they had an ag network. Uh, when they when they woke up to the fact that they had agriculture programming, it was too late. I'd already signed on with you guys. <laughs> Uh, lucky us. I'm, I'm, I was, I was uh, pleased that we were able to uh, uh, have the chance to work with you as you uh, continued to kind of head toward this this day that I knew that would would come eventually. That you were gonna, you know, say, "Hey, I'm I'm done. I'm I'm gonna officially step down and, and retire." But. Uh, pre- appreciate uh, you being with us, and hopefully you've uh, you know you've uh, we're kind of a, we're, we're we're similar to what uh, you were doing first Oklahoma Ag, but yet it was a different a different animal, and I guess COVID nineteen is to blame for at least part of that. Yes, indeed. This when I agreed to work with you, I really thought I would be doing more, and and you did too uh, on earth stuff. But when COVID nineteen hit, we. we kind of had to change directions pretty quick. And I worked from home as everyone else did. And uh, the technology eventually morphed into something we could do from home. Uh, but at the time it did not. So I had to, um, to adjust as everyone did, but I, I enjoyed the opportunity to get back and write. And I, a lot of folks may not realize that lot, the stuff they were reading and uh, some of the stories they were reading and your daily newsletter ended up, starting out on my laptop computer so that 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 kept my mind sharp i guess you could say writing up some of the interviews well i you know that uh your your time with us but a year and a half or so uh and a lot of that uh as we walk through the pandemic uh, as a uh, as a company uh you were invaluable you've been invaluable you are invaluable uh, as far as uh, the uh, the uh, knowledge, the institutional knowledge that you have about agriculture makes it so much easier to give you an interview and say, write it up. And uh, you were able to do that with, uh, with a great deal of, of information uh, that, that you were able to glean from the interview, but also you had, you know, at your fingertips as well. So that was, uh, that was much, much appreciated along the way. And I think that uh, you've... Uh, uh, at the same time, you've been uh, kind of a, a mentor uh, to uh, to her own Casey Shepard as she continues to learn learn more about some of the ins and outs of ag policy and ag uh, uh, agriculture, even as she uh, brings her radio skills to bear uh, with 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 our uh, organization. So I, I do appreciate that. You know, when, when you think back, and we're we're kind of getting down. We're a little over thirty minutes now into our into our conversation, Sam. Uh, as you think back, what what are the you, you've kind of mentioned a couple of highlights, but but think maybe of some folks or other things that just really you cherish as you uh, as you say I'm I'm done here in July of 2021. Boy, this is going to be a dangerous answer because I'm probably going to leave a few people out. I'll I'll start with with Ken. There's a couple people I'll give great credit to, and I've mentioned a couple of them already, but. Uh, Gordon Hibbard was a great mentor to me, a longtime uh, communications and later executive director of Kansas Farm Bureau. And he went on to be head of the 4-H Foundation. And and now he works uh, with his own Dale Carnegie uh, franchise there in Kansas. So that's that's one of one of the guys that I'll 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 throw out there. 
another one uh, uh, would be you, Ron. Uh, I've known known you for a long time, and and you you have always been an inspiration at times for me. So I'll I'll, I'll put that out there, and and, and Tyler Norvell, and and there's just been so many people that I I can give credit to. Uh, along the way that that have helped me and and even in the later years steve thompson you know uh he who would have guessed that he would work at both afr and farm bureau i mean he basically retraced the pattern that i that i took in in reverse so and he a great guy a great advocate been a lot of great farm bureau leaders along the way uh I think of one, uh, uh, Steve Copeland, who was a, a longtime president of Farm Bureau and later a state representative. Uh, Mike Spradling would be another longtime Farm Bureau president that I that I cherished my memories uh, working with. And there's been so many. And the current president, Rod Moselle, I've known him for a long time. I've already mentioned AFR president, uh, uh, former AFR president Terry Dietrich. Uh, there, there have just been a lot of guys on all sides. And, and, you know, I always, this is one of the things that I've always been amazed at. Why, I would go out in the field, and a lot of times these farmers would not know me. I would just start walking out through their field and taking pictures, and, 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 and they, well, why didn't they shoot me or run me off as some weird stranger? I don't know. That never happened. They always embrace the idea that here's somebody who wants to know about how I farm and what I do. And farmers have always been open to that. I've never ran into a farmer yet that didn't want to tell his story to a willing audience. And, Ron, I would be remiss if I did not mention one very important person. My wife, Leah, has been beside me a partner for most of this time that we've just talked about. She has been a great support, and I couldn't have done any of this without her support and love and kindness along the way. So I want to certainly give her credit for helping in my career. What do you, you know, is there one story that kind of you have got in the back of your mind that uh, just, you know, you're, you're still, you look at it and you just say, wow, that was, that was an incredible story. Oh gosh, one story. There, there were so many opportunities to, to even work with national media. And I, I'll just throw this one out. This, this comes to my mind uh, pretty quickly here. There was a time when we had a reporter from the New York uh, media. Uh, I think it was Fox TV affiliate in New York. He came to Oklahoma and wanted to do a story on the wheat harvest. So as I'm taking him out and driving down the road during wheat harvest, he kept looking at all these ripe wheat fields and kept asking the same question. What is that? What is that field? And I would tell him, well, that's wheat. That's wheat. He didn't know what we used wheat for. Then we go to a field where there is also wheat, but sticking up above the wheat was rye. There was, uh, rye had come up. Uh, as we often see in some of our fields. Uh, and he knew what that was. He said, well, I go to the deli every day to have a sandwich, and I have rye bread. And I said, that's the same thing. He never made the connection until then that rye and wheat were both used to make bread. 
So that that comes to mind uh, as an interesting story, uh, and that was fairly. You know, I don't think that was that was maybe ten years ago. I was still working at Farm Bureau, Oklahoma Farm Bureau at the time, and so it was relatively new. And and yet he he didn't own a car. He had a wife and kids that lived in an apartment in New York. So their world never expanded beyond inner city New York, and he had no idea that wheat was used for bread. So that was an interesting story there. Always a good reminder that we, uh, again, you got to go back to that uh, advocacy class that you've taught on the animal agriculture side. Uh, all of agriculture needs, uh, needs to be advocating what, uh, what, what's going on when it comes to, uh, to what we do and how we feed the world and how we, uh, how we take care of uh, so many needs. I guess uh, the pandemic helped us uh, with some of that, but uh, the, the uh, educational efforts are ongoing without a doubt. Indeed, it will never stop. When when is enough enough? We started this interview with that question. When is enough enough? And in that regard, I don't know that there will ever be a time when we won't need to tell the story. Well, Sam, you've told the story well. You've helped a lot of other folks uh, understand how to tell the story along the way. You've worked with a lot of uh, agricultural leaders in our great state. And uh, we wish you the very best as you uh, step down for uh, uh, the last time, I guess, uh, for, for now anyway, uh, before somebody else lures you out of retirement, I guess. But uh, as you step down from our, our, our uh, network here at the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network, we, uh, we appreciate you being a part of our network for the last year and a half. And we appreciate your career and your, your institutional knowledge, as I mentioned earlier as well. Been talking today with Stan, uh, Sam Knipp, Sam uh, with the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and longtime uh, 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 leader uh, within the agricultural uh, uh, advocacy area and agricultural journalism area with uh, American Farmers and Ranchers, with Oklahoma Farm Bureau, uh, with uh, several broadcast outlets along the way as, as well. And uh, he's uh, helped us fill in uh, some of the blanks about uh, the, the need to tell the story here on the road to rural prosperity. On the road, I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Fight Companies.